Hey y'all, this is the sixth episode of the Southern Lodge Podcast. Today the guys and I will be discussing the NFL post-draft, which teams surprised and disappointed in the draft, which teams got a little better, and which conference looks tougher. We will discuss the NBA and NHL playoffs that are still ongoing. In the land of the SEC, there is never any downtime, so we're going to talk a little college football. Being from the South and being outdoorsmen, we're going to dive into the NRA versus Yeti debate and discuss our choices for home defense weapons. And to end on a lighter note, we will finally be discussing our top sports movies to watch. So pull up a chair to the fire and welcome to the Southern Lodge. Hey, y'all. Uh, today, starting out, is going to be Danny and myself. Aaron's running a little late. He's going to join us when he can. But we're going to start off with a little sports talk, and we're going to discuss the draft and a little bit of uh, the NBA and the NHL. Danny being a Yankee from Detroit, he follows that uh, the playoffs in the NHL. You know, the Red Wings aren't very good, but he's still a hockey fan. So we'll, we're 25 gonna, years straight. But they've missed how many in a row? Two, but they still yeah, have 25 still, years straight. Still, like still the on a losing streak. In NHL history, or not history, but this is the longest modern day streak in all sports, I think. So we'll we'll discuss the NHL and NBA playoffs, uh, but I think we're going to start off with a little draft discussion. Um, the draft is a couple weeks old. Uh, there were some surprises. Uh, some teams picked some people uh, where the experts didn't think they were going to go or they went a little early or they fell a little bit. So um, I, I th- I'm going to start off with my surprise and just I think you have to go with number one overall and that being Baker Mayfield to the Browns. I mean – uh, everybody wants to point out Drew Brees and Russell Wilson as six-foot quarterbacks that have succeeded in the NFL. Well, Drew Brees, I, you could almost make the point that Drew Brees and Russell Wilson are unicorns. And when you look at other quarterbacks that compare height-wise to Baker, you can also throw out Johnny Manziel and uh, a slew of others. Um, I just don't know... I don't know if I could have passed up on some of the more prototypical sized quarterbacks that were in this draft potential wise um, and selected Baker Mayfield number one overall. Now I know it's the Browns and they've got to pick a quarter. They had to pick a quarterback number one overall, but I think I would have, it would either been Darnold or Josh Allen for me. Uh, Danny D was this a shock to you? Uh, I mean, I guess leading up to it, you kind of heard the rumors that it was coming. Um, I I also don't think if the Lions were picking number one, I don't think that I would have liked them taking Baker, Baker Mayfield. He's a fiery dude, and he's he is very accurate, and he's a gamer. But I don't know. I mean, you're gonna be. He also came from the Big Twelve, which they don't play a lot of defenses, rather than. You know, playing top tier te- defenses all the time. Sure, he lit up my deep, my Auburn Tigers defense, but it was a bowl game, and he had a, over what a month to prepare for it. Right, and um, I mean, speaking of that, you can look at the Georgia game from this year. He kind of lit Georgia up in the first half until they were able to make adjustments at halftime, and then after halftime, 
he took a few more hits. They rolled some different coverages, and it pretty they pretty much took the ball out of his hand. He couldn't really do anything. I mean, he was taking shots in the second half, and they really didn't use him in overtime. I mean, I can only imagine what NFL defenses are going to do to him, which is kind of well, what Georgia's defense was. Luckily, Cleveland surprisingly has a pretty de- decent offensive line except at left tackle, which obviously is probably the most important position because of Joe Thomas retiring. Right. The GOAT. Um, but they, I mean, the Browns have quietly added a lot of pieces, man. You know, they got um, Josh Gordon, uh, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku. Um, what, who's that running back from Miami? Duke Johnson. Then they yeah. picked up Carlos Hyde. They you also know, uh, drafted I don't think- Nick Chubb. I don't think that he's going to play early. I think Tyrod's going to probably play most, if not all, of the year. I agree. I do with think you. the Browns are going to be significantly better because um, they. I have think with Tyrod Taylor, there will be a five hundred team. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. I mean, you can only stay so bad with the format of the NFL, you know, especially how they dumped their salary cap and they had over a hundred million dollars in cap space, so they could go out and buy the talent just like the Jaguars did. Right. You know, they had a couple good drafts, and they added some really good pieces in free agency. And look at them. They arguably could have gone to the Super Bowl. I mean, if it wasn't for the greatest of all time himself, you know, they probably would And maybe some officiating help. Possibly, but, you know, the Patriots are the Patriots. They win. I mean. Right. Now. I don't know. But. You know, while we're on Cleveland, I, I can I'm okay with number one, I guess, because I think all the quarterbacks had issues. Where I really, I really hated their second pick with Denzel Ward. Dude played for one year. Well, one a lot year. of people compare him to Lattimore, who the Saints took and was defensive yeah, rookie he, of the he's year. He's shorter. He's shorter than Lattimore. Put up put up similar numbers though, in his last year as Lattimore did at Ohio State. I mean. Without the I'm injury not gonna concerns. Say, I'm not going to say the kid's not good. I just don't think he's number four and what they had on the board. You're right. I think rather than putting Denzel Ward in there, why not throw Bradley Chubb in there and have freaking Terror 1 and Terror 2 with him and Miles Garrett on opposite sides? You know, you saw how the Broncos went to the Super Bowl. Sure, they had Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning was a – a freaking piece of himself and what he used to be. Well, the point. second Super Bowl, yeah. The first Super Bowl, Peyton Manning was still Peyton Manning, but the one they won, it was all on defense. And yeah, I mean, they had Ware and Von Miller. I agree with it. you. The Jets, I, I mean, not the Jets, the Browns at number four, I would have gone, you either take Chubb, you either take Quentin Nelson to bolster your line to protect your short quarterback, because that's what the Saints did. They, they – got two massive guards and a center and they protected Drew Brees up the middle so he didn't have to run or I probably or even Roquan Smith just because of the edge rush and the you know being the athletic linebacker that he is but I would have went Chubb Ward Ward was a need he was the best cornerback off every everybody said he was number one I can see why they did it but um I don't want to go pick by pick for the draft because that would just take too long. But one I want to touch on real quickly before we get down into some of the more, you know, head scratchers into our favorite teams. 
do you agree with the Giants taking Barkley with Eli Manning being as old as he is and as bad as he has looked the past couple of years? Do you think they should have taken Barkley or a quarterback? I think they should have taken Barkley. He's the best player in the draft. Um, he is going to be, I think, the best running back in the last five years. I think he's going to be better than Zeke. I think he's going to be better than Todd Gurley, uh, better than Fournette, all of them. I think so because of what he can do out of the backfield, coming, you know, catching and, you know, the way that he is. He's he's a good pro. Like, the way that he talks and handles his business, you don't have to have it. You don't have to worry about problems with him, and I think he'll fit in in New York. He's from New York. Um, I think he's a good pick. And they took that kid from Richmond, the quarterback, in the fourth round. Yeah. Um, not to mention they took uh, that California quarterback last year. I think Eli's got a couple more years because they did spend some money in free agency and got a left tackle. Sure, they're going to try to move Flowers to right. I don't think he's going to make it on the right side. I think he's going to end up getting cut because he's a garbage. They um, also uh, drafted Will Hernandez in the second round, who was, everybody was saying, probably the number two guard uh, in the draft. Sure. I don't think um, – I think they did what they should have done. I don't. I don't think that they – I am like I told you before. I I wasn't sold on any of the quarterbacks. If I had to pick one, I would have went uh, Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold. You can kind of he's his biggest problem is, is he gets a little careless with the ball. But that's who I would have taken. Um, I guess my biggest draft surprise moving on from that would be the Seattle Seahawks taking Rashad Penny. I think they had that with the 27th pick, and he was the second running back taken over Darius Geis, Carrion Johnson, Sony Michelle, all of them. He went yep. above them all, and that's crazy. And just a little fantasy update. I think he's going to be a good fantasy pick, and the reason I say that is because they really don't have any running backs in Seattle. They don't have a lot of wide receivers either. I don't know what Seattle's doing. And they just doing. lost Jimmy Graham, so. I don't know what Seattle's doing. I think their offensive line's atrocious. Um, they can't protect Russell Wilson. I don't understand why you wouldn't attempt to go that route because I think they – you still had Will Hernandez there. Um, I believe Isaiah Wynn went a little before him. I think Isaiah Wynn was the second guard taken. But um... – Yes, the Isaiah win went 23rd to the Patriots. And uh, the Lions, we'll get into that more, but they took a, a center guard, uh, Frank Ragnow, uh, 20th. So, Yeah, he's center. He yeah. played guard, I think, a year or something like that. But I think them taking Rashad Penny at that pick was, in my opinion, a mistake. But that's what they do for a living. So I would assume that... They got to know something that other people don't. Well, um, a lot of people were expecting maybe Leonard Fournette there because a lot of people have made him the number two. But uh, as reports started coming out after the draft, he wasn't. Hold on a second. The... Leonard Fournette, you mean Darius uh, Geis? I mean Darius Geis, the LSU running back. Um, there were reports that his interview skills were not the best and that he may ha- may or may not have gotten into a shouting match with the Philadelphia Eagles front office and coaching staff. So that's 
everybody thinks that might be the reason he slid to where he did because uh, I know I was surprised he wasn't a top three back taken. I think he lied about somebody asking if he was homosexual. Yes, yes, he also. Well, the NFL did their investigation of it because he did come out and say to a reporter asked him what's the weirdest question you got at the draft and he responded with a team asked me if i was gay and the nfl did their investigation and it turned out that each time they asked uh guys about it they asked him three different times he gave three different stories so that came out and then the shouting match with the eagles came out so uh I think Hopefully he can straighten himself player. out. I don't know, but I think the I think the Eagle, not player. the Eagles. I think the Redskins got a steal where they got him. Right. I think he'll be a good player. I think he just needs to mature a little bit. But what's a kid twenty years old? Come on. Yeah. He just had a bad bad judgment there, in my opinion. Um, what do you think about the Saints trading away next year's first round for Marcus Davenport? I didn't like it. Okay. So. Watching the draft, Saints aren't picking until 27th, I believe. Not paying a lot of attention. Suddenly I'm sitting on my couch and the trade is in, and then the Saints logo's up. Now, in our mock draft, I had – we I, I can't remember who made the pick, but we had Davenport going 14th to the Green Bay Packers, which is where the Saints took him. Now, the Saints traded – this year's first round, next year's first round, and last year's fifth. I'm okay with it because the Saints are hoping that that first round pick is number 32. And if this kid has can throw in 10 sacks, some fumbles, tackles for loss, it'll be well worth giving up a, a future first round pick that could turn out to be who's, who's a terrible person the Lions have drafted lately. Um, Amir Abdullah. Um, heck, the, back, so. the Saints have had bad draft picks. Everybody looks back to last year when they had, you know, four first round draft picks basically come out of their draft. I mean, you could those could easily have been misses. So I think if you telling me that Davenport could be the next Demarcus Ware, you know, the next small school kid to make it, I would be I'm okay with giving up the first round pick. Um, I, I didn't do a lot of research on him just because I didn't think he would be there for the Saints, even though edge rusher was a major need for the Saints this year. But I did, I've done some research and read, read some articles about him. He was, he's a quiet, introvert kid. That's one of the reasons he stayed at, at – he's from San Antonio. It's one reason he stayed and played for the in-town school. The other reason is in high school – he was a wide receiver until his senior year when he switched to defensive end. So he was under-recruited. He also put on like 50 pounds while he was in college. So he was he's one of the kids that he's small, he develops in college, and then he, he, you know, he finally hits that NFL body his senior year of college. So that's the reason people don't know him is because he developed. He wasn't you know, a five-star kid coming out of high school. But answer to your question, I'm okay with it because, yeah, that first-round pick, everybody says your first-round pick should be a starter. But what, a first-round pick is almost a 50-50 shot now if you get out of the top ten? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I still think he's really raw with his skill set. And I'm not going to disagree. I think the Saints are in a win now because you're talking about you're at you're on you're playing with house money on Drew Brees. I mean, you're not going to have him for much longer. I think what he signed two years. I don't think you're you got two three years left to him, and then then what are you going to do? And so for me, I think it was a big surprise because I think if you trade up, I think you you're trying to get him a little bit more help on offense, maybe a tight end or something. You know, that's where I thought they went would go as a tight end, and I think everybody was kind of shocked that they they traded up to get more of a developmental player. I did mock him at 14 to the Packers. That was me that made the pick. Yeah. And that was because of everything that I saw. You know, even had they stayed at, what was their, 27 or whatever they were, I'm not sure what their pick was, an original pick. It was 20, um, 27. I think they could have gotten a guy like Harold Landry or something like that, who, who I think is a more pro. He's a Boston College. He went 41 a, to the Titans. I think he's a little bit more pro-ready. Does he have some injury concerns? Sure. But is he a baller? Heck yeah. If he had came out last year, then probably top 20 pick. I mean, he was good his junior year. It was his senior year he got hurt, and that's what kind of dropped him down. But, yeah, if you look at Davenport, he's he's a gamer. I think during the senior bowl he had a sack, maybe a forced fumble. I think he had a fumble return for a touchdown. But I think when the lights start shining, he's going to he's gonna come up big. Um, that leaves Danny's team. What did you think of the Lions taking a center uh, in the first round? They got a $100 million quarterback that they got to protect, and he gets hit way too much. Um, I think Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia were very adamant about, one, fixing the running game, which you got to start in the trenches, and two, kind of stopping the run. And I think Patricia's philosophy is going to be a little – it's going to help with stopping the run, a bit more gap sound rather than – attack mode which is what Terrell Austin preached is there more of attacking defense rather than I didn't have a problem with Frank Ragno um I think he's going to be a good I think he's going to be a day one starter I think that's what you just shoot for on your first round picks but he was everybody's what third or fourth ranked center behind never gave up a sack in college and he played in the SEC that's true but I mean everybody one two center was Price and um Daniels out of Iowa and Ohio State, so I and I I don't I mean who follows center position religiously I don't I I can tell you that I never I heard of the guy because one of the other podcasts that I listened to was really high on Ragno and they actually had him as their number one um, and they do a lot of reporting for Bleacher Report and they said that he was going to go in the first round um, right. Billy Price had some injuries, and that cat from Daniels from Iowa is apparently undersized. I think he's only like 280. Yeah. But Bob Quinn seemed to have hit on his drafts. I mean, the players that – I mean, he had a rookie go all pro this year that he took in the fifth round last year. He was an all pro kick returner or punt returner. Um. Taylor Decker, his first year, started every game and it was actually really good. He would he played really good the second half of this year, but he missed 
six or seven games with a sh- he had shoulder surgery in training camp. Um, I have I have faith in Bob Quinn. Um, I think my favorite pick that they did was Carryon Johnson. I think Carryon. I, I was be a just going to br- I was going to bring that up here, and that that leads us into our next topic. Which teams do you think had the best drafts? And I think, you know, I was reviewing, I kind of, you know, these later round prospects are more hit or miss. So when I look at a a draft, you know, I don't know all the deep sleepers. I go mainly off the first three rounds. And even though I may not have agreed, you know, I thought Saquon Barkley was the best player in this draft. And I think there was questions that the Browns could have taken him number one and then taken a quarterback at four. But I think with that, the Giants were one of the teams that have the best draft. They took Barkley in the first round. They took Hernandez, who was a nasty guard, in the second. And then in the third, they took uh, Lorenzo Carter out of Georgia, who is an athletic sideline-to-sideline linebacker. So I really like what the Bears did with their first three picks. The Giants, yeah. yeah. I actually had them down. I think they did a really good job, too. Um, and that's why I also said earlier that I think what they did will help Eli. I think Eli's still got a lot of skill left. I think Eli will be all right if you can just keep him upright. The problem they had last year is they just couldn't block, and then every one of their receivers got hurt. Um, right. And their defense underperformed. But they got a new head coach. We'll see what they do. I liked what the Patriots did. Isaiah went out of Georgia, and then Sony Michelle, and then Duke Dawson out of Florida. You know, you look at and see who they lost. They lost Nate Solder to the Giants, uh, Deion Lewis to the Titans, and Malcolm Butler to the Titans. And they essentially replaced them. And they, they could have arguably upgraded at almost every position. Isaiah Wynn may not be a left tackle. That's Isaiah wins a beast, and Sony right. Michelle I think is a better if he can stay healthy is a better running back than Deion Lewis. He's an Duke Alvin Dawson, Kamara type. Duke Dawson's been around SEC football forever, it seems like, and he was always one of the top graded corners. I mean, I like I like what they did in top three because I'm the same way. I don't know a lot of the smaller schools, so I typically go to the top three rounds. Um, I'm I'm going to give one more. And that I think had a good draft first three rounds. I really like what the Packers did. They took um, – oh, I got it right here. Jair uh, Alexander out of Louisville. And then the second round they took Jay, uh, Jackson out of Iowa. And then the th- their third round pick was – I saw him on draft boards, but they had him going a lot lower. But everybody was saying he was a, he was a late-round guy to watch. But Oren Burks, the outside linebacker out of Vanderbilt, he – I think he's going to surprise a lot of people up there. But I think the Packers, as bad as their defense has been, uh, I think they did some really good things in the draft to shore that up. They got their, – their number – their second-round pick was arguably a late first-round, mid-first-round talent. A lot of people had him going first-round lock. So, I think they were real special to get that in the um, – in the second round, uh, do you have yeah, a, another mean, team? I, I personally liked what the Lions did. Um, besides a third round pick, because I don't know that guy out of Louisiana Lafayette, I believe um, the DB. But I like they took Ragnall center. 
I like the Carrion Johnson pick because I think Carrion Johnson is an upgrade over every running back that they have based on his versatility. Um, and they have LeGarrette Blunt to kind of take some load off of him with the short yardage. But they're essentially going to trade one of their a couple of their running backs. And I really like the Sean Hand pick, which is the offensive lineman out of Alabama. And what round was he taken in? Fourth. They took him in the fourth round. Yeah, I like um, that pick. He he provides them some versatility. He can play the three technique or the five. Um, so he'll be very multiple. And Patricia's come out and said that they're going to be multiple on their defenses. So he can succeed as a uh, defense end in a 3-4. Or he could be a D-tackle and a 4-3. So, and then a lot of people said that they stole Crosby out of Oregon. Um, they said Crosby was a you know, top 50 talent. They got him in the fifth round. I'm yeah. not sure exactly what happened with him. Short arms. Short arms is what I heard. <laughs> they, uh, I liked, they didn't get any of the flashy picks. They, they didn't get flashy, but I really liked their building their team from the inside out. Cause they have some, some great players at skill position, top five DB and Darius Slay, uh, Showtime Tate, has is the yards after catch king every year he's leading the league in it marvin jones is always up there in yards they got stafford um tight end might be a little weak but they got they got weapons and i think they're going to be a lot better than what people are giving them credit for i think they're going to be really tough right all right so this being the south and the south sleeping eating and breathing football um there's never a quiet time in the sec we're going to discuss a little SEC football because Aaron has finally joined the show. I don't know what he was doing that was more important than this, but uh, we're going to get our takes on uh, Tennessee, Auburn, and Mississippi State now that uh, the summer is about here. A little bit of news on Tennessee today. They got the commitment of a four-star wide receiver out of Georgia. Uh, I believe, according to 247 Composite, he was the number 88 player in the country. This coming a few weeks after uh, a five-star offensive tackle chose Tennessee over Auburn, Wayne Morris out of Georgia as well. Um, Tennessee could finally have some recruiting momentum under Jeremy Pruitt, which would be nice to see. Um, I think if Tennessee can win some games this year, it will get rolling. But once again, Tennessee is up there with a lot of, uh, a lot of four- and five-star recruits. And it seems like Jeremy Pruitt is trying to find some diamonds in the rough with some three stars he's offering and getting two. So, um, but since Aaron has joined us, I want to ask him a little something I heard about the other day. Um, Dan Mullen's doing a little trash talking against his former team. Um, I believe Florida goes to Starkville this year, and Dan Mullen called it the biggest game in Mississippi State history. Even though in 1998, I believe Mississippi State played for the SEC title. So, Aaron, what do you think of uh, Dan Mullen turning heel and trying to trash talk Mississippi State? Mike, I'll happily get into that. Uh, Before I do, I just want to let you know as I sit here and sip on Southern Lodge sweet tea, I can't help but close my eyes and imagine being in Davis Wade Stadium this fall. I can already smell the whiskey drinks flying through the air and hear the sweet sound of cowbells going clanga clanga in the background and and that fourth quarter playing uh, Don't Stop Believing. 
Lord have mercy, it's going to be a beautiful fall, Mike. That being said, I'm not sure what Dan Mullen's motive is here making comments like that. He knows good and well that the Alabama game last season in Starkville alone is bigger than the Florida game this fall. However, in some ways it is a big deal because what he built up in this program is a program that can compete with teams in the West. Now, is that a year in, year out, playing for Atlanta type of situation? Yes and no. Junior year of Dak Prescott's season, we, we were in contention. We were ranked number one for several straight weeks. We were in contention to win the SEC West. Didn't make it, but we were in contention. And that was a situation Mississippi State fans had not experienced for about 13 or 14 years. I am one of those fans that is not extremely upset with Dan Mullen leaving, and that's because the state of the program at the end of his tenure is in a substantially better place than where he found it. We are at a point right now where he left us that we could leave, he could leave and go to Florida, and we were okay as far as the trash talk goes. I think State's got a great chance to beat Florida this fall. Great chance. Dan Mullen's going to bring the heat. Florida's packed with talent. I'm not sure what Joe Moorhead's going to have. I know that Joe Moorhead is talking championships. I well, like I th- that. I think you kind of like have to do that when you high. go to a new school. I don't think you can go in and say we're going to be mediocre. I think – I th- shoot, who's the, uh, who's the coach at Vanderbilt? Derek Mason. <laughs> Yeah, I think Derek Mason even went to Vanderbilt talking championships because I, I think if you go to a new school and say, we're going to go 6-6, six and six, you'll be gone before the press conference is over. Sorry well, to cut you, you off. About the first speech, let me tell you about the first speech I ever heard Sylvester Kroom give in Starkville. He word for word said, well, and excuse my accent, well, we're going to go out there and we're just going to do our best. We're going to try to beat them. Hmm. Mike, some coaches do it, man. Some coaches go out there and they don't say we're going to win championships. And we all saw how Sylvester Kroom ended up. So, I, Dan Mullen, when he first came, he was talking like that. But I think you have to. I will say with Sylvester had, Kroom, he did, stump, he did more than what Tennessee's done in the last 11 years and what Mississippi State's done in the, the most recent past. He beat Alabama. Uh, not, not with Nick Saban in his prime. Hey, he still beat him. I like him. What year? I don't remember what year. I don't even know what year he was there. 07's the last time State beat Alabama. I will say that I think, I think Dan Mullen's in for a rude awakening. I don't think Florida's loaded with talent. I think, uh, McElwain or whatever his name is, he kind of, Pissed that down a little bit. I think he did a really poor job. They and they lost a lot on defense. Um, I don't know, and I don't think they have a quarterback. He may he's supposed to be a quarterback guru, but we'll see. Well, what they also don't talk about too is yeah, Florida's got the swamp, but um, their facilities aren't top as top notch as you know Tennessee, Alabama, and Auburn and Georgia. They're they're 
still trying to play catch up a little bit facility wise. This the uh, Gators at the athletics have fallen behind a little bit in that. And even the Swamp, I mean, I don't think they've expanded that in a long time. I still think they play in front of 84,000 people when um, Tennessee's over 100,000, Alabama's over 100,000, A&M over 100,000, LSU's over 100,000. I mean, the stadiums are growing and getting better. I mean, heck, Tennessee is doing a $400 million renovation plan to, to Neyland. Um I, th- I think Dan is I, – I agree. I think Dan's kind of in for a rude awakening. Unless he pulls an Urban Meyer and starts recruiting the prison systems, uh, he could be in for a rude awakening. Any news on Auburn, Danny? Mm. They picked up that five-star linebacker. Supposed to be once-in-a-generation linebacker. Let's see pa- what happens. Papano? Papano? Whatever. Owen. I'm going to call him Owen because <laughs> that's his first name, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I mean, we have Bo Nix and George Pickens. Um, I know we were in for that receiver that Tennessee got today. Truthfully, I don't think Auburn really needs a lot of receivers. Um, Rodney Gardner is going to come up big this year. He is uh, one of the best recruiters for defensive line, and I think he's going to pull some tricks this year. Or not tricks, but some surprises. Because Auburn's loaded in town on defensive line, they're probably going to lose two or three um, to the draft, and they're two of them probably gonna go in the first round, but they they'll be fine. Um, recruiting's kind of hitting a little knoll um, with them. I mean, they got oh god, what is the name of that stinking thing that they do? Um, they do the big recruiting event every summer in June. Oh, you mean like called. everybody does? It's the big one that they do. I forget what it is, um, but they have that. I mean. Optimistically for the season, I think Auburn's going to be pretty good. They had a grad, uh, graduate transfer from Massachusetts who has two years of eligibility left. He's 6'5", 300 pounds. He enrolled today. Um, he'll come in and compete for the right tackle. He said that the left tackle, left guard, and right guard positions are settled. They're just still working on finalizing the center and right tackle. I mean, we're set at quarterback, we probably have the best quarterback in the SEC. Um, That's debatable. That's very who? debatable. Uh, Drew Locke at Missouri, if he played for a better team, would probably be up there. I mean, Alabama and Georgia just did play for a national title with young quarterbacks who could develop in From and uh, Tua. I mean, Jalen Hurts I don't think is really that great of a quarterback. Uh, Tua is probably better. That kid at South Carolina is pretty good. Now Stidham is probably better than him. But uh, Drew Locke is on everybody's talking points for the 2019 draft out of the SEC. Stidham will be up there. Stidham's got, what, two years left as well. I mean, I don't think he's going to leave after this year. And you got Fitzgerald at Mississippi State. Uh, Mike, you said just a second ago that uh, Jalen Hurts is, and I think you just said he's not as good of a quarterback. Let's talk right now. What schools in the SEC do you think he could transfer to and start this fall? Jay Tennessee. Uh, tennis, well, I don't know. Tennessee is going to the pro style. Um, Hertz is kind of a runner. We've got a grad transfer coming in from Stanford. But pro- he would compete at Tennessee and probably get it. Uh, LSU, um, Kentucky. 
I'm just running through schools. That's why it's taking a second. Probably Florida. Uh, Florida's got some recruits coming in, but I don't know how good they are. I really don't know who's at A&M. Uh, Kellen Ar- Mond. Yeah, Arkansas, he could probably start. But also, that too could be from just a pure talent standpoint. I mean, he I mean, he could have just athleticismed his way in. I think that's a new word I just made up. But Tua is, from the second half of the national championship game, played better than Hertz did. And if you look at Hertz, he was kind of carried by an uh, – Saban likes to run the ball. His quarterbacks, except for um, Coker and then McCarron before that, and McCarron had great running backs. But if you look at Alabama's game plan, they have one receiver that catches all the balls, and then they run it with two to three running backs. I mean, it's not really that diverse of an offense. They've always done it that way, though. It's they're, Saban's quarterbacks never succeed in the NFL because they're game managers rather than game changers. And, I mean, did Tua have a good second half for Alabama against Georgia? Sure, he did. Is he going to be all-world like everybody thinks he is? For me, it's to be decided. I mean, the guy played a half of football in a meaningful game. Yeah. You know, I guess let's not put him as the number one overall pick until let's play some meaningful snaps throughout the season and get the wear and tear on your body like everybody else does. I guess the big question I had is, like, Nick Fitzgerald, let's take his rapport with the team and his leadership ability out of the calculation. Could Jalen Hurts show intention to transfer to Miss Allen alone? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. In Dan Mullen's system, probably not because he likes that big-body quarterback that can run the ball. And I don't think think Jalen Hurts could have run that system without breaking something now. This new guy, Joe Moorhead from Penn State, maybe. I really don't know what his offense is. I mean, I have saw what he did at Penn State, but who knows if that's what he'll run. I mean, I'm sure he'll run something similar to that, but he may have wanted to throw some wrinkles in that Franklin wouldn't let him or something. So, um, And I think, uh, I think State's backup, and I don't remember his name, the one that played in the bowl game. Uh, I really liked Thompson. What, yeah, I really liked what he did, so – Alabama, Alabama's full of four- and five-star players. It's kind of like the Patriots with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's a great quarterback. You can put him in the top five. Some people say number one. I have questions about that. But the year Brady tore his knee up, the Patriots still went 11-2 and two with Matt Castle, who, who didn't play a game in college and went 11-2 and two in the NFL. Or not 11-2, 11-5. No, he I mean, might have gone, he might have gone eleven and two after Brady got hurt, but they still they still won eleven games with a backup. I'm I'm saying Alabama's got the similar system. You can throw probably a not as good quarterback in there, and they'll still win nine games. Possibly. I mean, I don't know. I think Jalen Hurts is a lot better than what people give him credit for. Heck, the dude's only lost what two games as a starter. I mean, give me a break. How can you say that he's not good? I mean, he's only lost two games, and say what you want about the kid. He's not – doesn't have the best arm. What's Fitzgerald's got? Fitzgerald's got questionable arm at best. I mean, Fitzgerald's a running back, True. essentially. Um, I, that I think Jalen Hurts is going to – wherever he goes, he'll be successful. The kid's a stud. I mean, you say that he can't live up to the, the beating of the SEC. 
He can. Dude's like what the, one of the strongest guys on Alabama's team. Okay, so you say that, but if you put Nick Fitzgerald on Alabama's team, would they have still won the same amount of games? Probably so. No. Why? Because I don't think he's accurate at all. He's uh, The system wouldn't even be close. You'd have to completely run uh, basically a, 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 a option system. I... I am not on the same page with Fitzgerald. I think Fitzgerald's a great athlete. He will never do anything in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, I don't think Jalen Hurts will either. I think he's got a heck of a lot better shot than Nick Fitzgerald does. I don't, because Nick Fitzgerald will do what Tim Tebow never did and play tight end. What do you sure. think, Aaron? I think Fitz is going to make it. Uh, if he follows the same trajectory that Prescott did his senior year where he develops more as a passer, yes, I think he can make it as a quarterback as well in the NFL. If he does not, I agree with you that he has the athleticism to fill other roles, uh, most likely tight end. He is lightning fast. I, I'm sure you all have seen that. When he gets up and going, that sucker can run. But nice. but what do you think about Fitz at Alabama? Do you think they would be as successful with Fitz as they are have been with Hertz? That's a good question. I have not flipped it around and looked at it from the Alabama perspective. It's it's entirely possible that they'd be more successful. That is a good question. It comes down to the passing ability, I think. I think the runner ability with Fitz you get more of a lightning uh, aspect to the running where he breaks open downfield and he's gone i'm not sure i've seen hurts blast away from defensive backs like fitzgerald has the question would come in can fitz hit the downfield passes that hurts may not have been hitting but then again you look at the wide receiver talent and you can't even compare the numbers uh that's what i was going to talk about with mississippi state Big news out of state right now is this drama surrounding a wide receiver transfer, uh, Stephen Gidry. He's just he's just stirring up drama, man. We we recruited the guy to help fill a void at wide receiver that we have, and it's a gaping void. the The most receiving yards any one receiver had last season is 276 yards on 22 attempts. Uh, and that person also had the most receiving touchdowns. That's uh, Jesse – nope, never mind. He didn't have the most touchdown. He, he didn't have any touchdown receptions. <laughs> so 276 yards out of one receiver. We did spread it around pretty good, but that's just not going to make it, man. You have to have at least one receiver that's getting 600-plus yards. You have to have a go-to, dependable guy, and then it, it's even better if you've got a duo – but, Which is uh, what Alabama has. Yeah, and, and they have guys that go up. Uh, you just put the ball near them, and they're going to make a play on it. We got guys that we hit them in the hands, and they drop it. So we're, we're trying to overcome those obstacles right now. We do have a new guy uh, this year. Man, I'd hate to say I'm pretty sure his name. He's a transfer – not a transfer. He's a freshman from Ocean Springs. I need to look up his name. Y'all give me a second. Y'all talk uh, for a second. Let me look up his name. I've, I've, by the way, I found the name. It, it was Austin Williams. Uh, very impressive in the spring game. At the time that I was watching, which was a majority of the game, 
he did not drop a pass. So we, I, I'm very hopeful uh, that Fitzgerald and Austin Williams can establish, uh, if they can establish a relationship early that is dependable, we could easily be looking at uh, what was the what was Tim Tebow's roommate's name in college uh, at Florida? They Riley Cooper. Remember? Riley Cooper. If we can get that type of relationship where that's just like the ball goes in his direction, he's gonna catch it. If Fitzgerald targets Williams, he's gonna catch it. Uh, um, I don't want to stay on this topic too much longer because we got more stuff we're gonna talk about in the show. But uh, this is something that uh, pertains to Alabama, Tennessee, and Auburn. Alabama's got a center that is a grad transfer. He's going to have two years of eligibility left. He had, The two schools he wants to go to are Tennessee and Auburn. Alabama is trying to block him from going to those two schools. Um, I think if a kid wants to transfer, he should be able to go wherever he wants um, he should still have to sit out the year unless he is a grad transfer. But if a coach can leave in the middle of a season to take a better job, then a kid should be able to leave if he doesn't like the situation. Now, I know it's the kid quitting, but still, um, I think if the kid doesn't like where he's at, he shouldn't have to be unhappy. I mean, he's still going to have to sit out a year unless he's already completed his degree, which is what you go to college for anyway. Um, I'm just wondering what you all think about Grad or transfers and grad transfers. Now, transfers. I don't see anything wrong with the current rules, man. So you don't have a problem with the school blocking a kid from going somewhere else, even if yeah, he's complete, even if he's completed his degree. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, you made a commitment to a school. You're an adult now. You're, you're making a commitment to a school. I don't like the way the situation with coaches works, but at least they have to have some kind of buyout. Yeah, but the new They're school pay their new school pays their buyout. It's not like if a coach leaves for a better job, his new school pays off the millions of dollars that's in his contract. There's no there really isn't a consequence. Now a kid works his butt off for three years and graduates with a four year degree in three and then they go, Well, your coach may or may not be here, the guy that recruited you may not may or may not be here. You ha- you haven't played much, but you're not. We're not gonna let you go to this school. I mean, I, I don't agree with. Now, if they want to put if if they want to make it to where a graduate transfer can't be blocked from going anywhere, that's cool. If they're an undergrad that hasn't gotten a degree and they they want to put some stipulations on that, okay, sure. But I think if you've completed a degree and you're not getting the playtime you think you deserve or you could get more somewhere else, you go. I mean, it's student-athlete. If they ain't going to pay them, which I don't think they should be paid, but if they ain't going to pay them, they should at least let them play where they want to play if they've got Mm -hmm. a degree. I mean, you essentially made a decision to play for a school. If you're not cutting it, you know, it's kind of an easy way out. Let's go somewhere else where I think I might be able to play, but I might not also not. Um and you uh, grad transfers i can see it but if you start opening up these rules to allow these kids to do that the minute they don't get a starting job at the first year unless it's their absolute dream school they're going to want to leave then they should make it to where coaches can't leave until they finish out their contract because if you're going to make that will never happen that means you can't leave your job until you 
I mean, everybody, it's a job. You know, sometimes you sign a contract. You sign a contract, which is what a national so letter of intent you. is. That's what I'm saying. You're not letting but these kids out of a contract. There's money changing hands. I disagree with that. I think the rules, there needs to be a rules and there needs to be guidelines set, and they need to abide by those rules and guidelines. If you don't have those rules and guidelines, then you're going to have a freaking crap storm going on and you're going to have kids transferring left and right and then what's the point if you can just go and you don't get your way you're going to go be a spoiled brat and then just go somewhere else where you think you might be able to and then that doesn't work i'm going to go somewhere else well that's why i still say you should still have to sit out the year but that you shouldn't be able to be blocked from going to a certain school i don't think that you should be able to block outside of the conference but if it's inside of the conference i think absolutely you should be able to block them see i don't agree But, I mean, you can't change the rules because the rules will get... If you start changing these rules, it is going to go freaking haywire. And you're going to have kids that are prima donna and they're divas. Every team's got them. They got loads of them. They're freaking college kids. They get pissed off because they're not playing because somebody else was better. Then what's going to happen? But there's no no change on the rule. But what you're essentially saying is... What you're wanting is it to be changed, and if you change that, it's going to create such an issue that it won't be mm, worth it. No, I'm saying that schools shouldn't be allowed to block a kid from transferring to a certain school. I'm still saying they should have to sit out a year. The only difference is a kid transferring up from Alabama that wants to go play for Auburn, they say, no, he's still going to leave the program and go play for Stanford or USC. That's what I, I I'm not saying I'm saying the kid should still have to sit out a year unless he's got his degree. Well, I mean, I just man, I just think that the rules need to say the way they are. Do I think some of these coaches get a little crazy about transferring? Like they'll throw in like Michigan or Ohio State or you know, I don't have a problem with if Auburn was going to have somebody transfer to say no to the SEC because they're going to have to more than likely play that kid and they don't want to do that right. they know too much and i have no problem with them doing it do i think it gets a little crazy with the blocking yes do i think that kid's going to end up getting his appeal one no i don't mm-hmm. i think he's not going to be i think he's going to be blocked from transferring to auburn and tennessee mm-hmm. it's alabama's biggest rivals just give me a break let's be who, realistic who they it's beat every happen. year who they beat every year and it beat auburn this year all right, so we could sit here and talk SEC football all night and argue and not get anything accomplished because Danny's wrong about transfers. But uh, we're uh, – <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Aaron wants to talk a little bit about um, – well, he he's thinking about maybe getting a little home defense for the wife, um, and we're going to discuss that. But that brought up a discussion with everything going on in the news. Uh, we being from the South um, – Aaron owns them. I think they're a little overpriced, but uh, the Yeti company and the NRA are having a little, a little falling out. Um, but I'm gonna let Aaron take lead on this because it was a subject he wanted to talk about. So Aaron, why don't you get us going on this? Okay, I'm gonna make this discussion pretty skinny. From the NRA perspective, they are claiming that Yeti refuses to support the NRA. From Yeti's perspective, they're claiming that they changed a discount program that affects the NRA, and in no way are they relinquishing any type of support for the NRA. 
As with any disagreement, the most likely truth is somewhere in the middle in the gray. I've got some theories here, and I've got a question for y'all about products and why we purchase them. Before I get into that, let's talk about my theory. I don't know how to find the numbers on this. Maybe looking at the Dow Jones, maybe looking at the, the stock market. But I'd be interested to know if Arctic sales went up the week following this announcement by the NRA. My theory is yes, they did. And that makes me think there's a little bit of a dirty deal going on here. How surprised would you be to find out that Arctic executives paid somebody in the NRA to come out with this type of publicity to bring down Yeti sales and boost Arctic sales. There, I mean, crazy stuff was happening, y'all. People were blowing up Yetis. People were selling their Yetis, all because of a statement released by the NRA, which all three of us here are gun owners. All three of us probably politically support the NRA. But Lord have mercy. How in the world does a discount program, and that's, that's me saying I kind of believe Yeti, I think it would be a stupid political move to back out any type of support for the NRA, but uh, considering that a majority of Yeti's customers are outdoorsmen, outdoorsmen who own firearms of some kind. Give me some feedback here. What are y'all thinking? Is that feasible that some other company, Arctic being Yeti's largest competitor, how feasible is it that there is some kind of backdoor deal going on here? And what, what do y'all think? Well, I'm an Ozark Trails man myself. They may be owned by Arctic, but I don't think so. But isn't the fact that they cut discounts to the NRA kind of a political slap in the face? It's it's kind of the wimpy way to to disassoci- disassociate yourself from them. It's, it's not Yeti coming out and saying, oh... We need to back off from the NRA. It's just like it's like everybody else that's done it. They're like, well, we were giving you a 10% discount because you're NRA. Now you're not getting anything. So it's kind of, to me, it's kind of a just a shallow, a, a, a behind-the-back way of going, we're not supporting you as much as we did because we're not giving that discount anymore. Now, who's to, I mean, I don't know. I just know the basic story as you've laid it out, but who's to say Yeti didn't pull sponsorship things from NRA events? I mean, I don't know. But anyway, I think Yeti is an overpriced product that lesser name brands are the equal or greater of, and you shouldn't spend money on a yeti you should buy different things like i have done yeti is what college kids buy to have status symbols so i'm not a huge yeti fan anyway well, Danny? i mean they brought up they bought they made their brand i mean you may not be a huge yeti fan but you're surely a huge maldives fan um so money aside I, you know yeti's made a good brand they they essentially screwed up their patent and got their design taken by whatever company that is. Um, Ozark Trail, half the price, not does Ozark the same Trail, thing. But the other one, what's the Arctic? other one? Arctic. Arctic. They essentially screwed up the patent deal, and Arctic took the the design. And there you go. I mean, I don't own a Yeti either. They're too expensive for me. I don't use enough coolers, to be honest with you. 
maybe if I needed them more frequently, I sh- might look into it. You you own a Yeti. You bought one years ago. I thought you bought that cooler. I thought you bought that cooler like when you were living uh, in Mobile. No, I've never. Or was that your roommate? Uh, I've never had one. I would. I'm not spending four or five hundred dollars on a cooler that will just sit and collect dust. Two hundred dollars for an Ozark Trail. I have a Coleman that does pretty well for me, for what I need it for. Um. I don't know, man. Like, I didn't get into the politicalness of it. I mean, whether who they decide they want to sponsor or not, it's up to them. I mean, it's their company. You know, if they want to, if they're remodeling their business design to essentially change how they're sponsoring things, sure, let them do what they want. I mean, what's whose business is it? I mean, the NRA took it way too personal, if if you ask me. Well, I think it's. I think the NRA almost has to overreact on a few things. Um, we don't want to get too political on this show. I mean, Aaron has pretty much mentioned that yes, we most do. most of us are conservatives. Um, the liberal I'm left, conservative. the liberal left, ta- is taking things way too far, and the NRA is battling the. If you own guns and you like guns, then you're a terrible person that wants to kill children and you don't care if people die by gun violence. And when sponsors start pulling out of, you know, when they start, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the word, when you start getting ostracized because you're an NRA, NRA member or because you support guns, then I think people taking it a little more personally than maybe they would normally or whatnot. But I think it all stems from just the gun debate in general in the country. And what bothers me about that, since we're on this topic, is the fact that most people that don't like guns or think that they're the most dangerous thing in the world are people that have never held a gun, have never taken a gun safety course, have never fired a gun, have never been around people that own guns without going you are the most ignorant person in the world because you like firearms but guns Um, are dangerous and they are they need to be taken seriously and i I honestly think that everybody needs to take a gun safety class especially your roommate um your roommate's not the safest person with a gun and a lot of times i don't feel much comfortable when he's wielding that thing around (laughs) to be 100 percent honest with you i mean guns are they're tools they're not toys um well, maybe you, you should bring that point serious. up to him. I, I have a hundred times, um, but their tool—their tools, not toys. You know, are guns dangerous? Absolutely, things happen, and you know, Any, anything you need is to take dangerous. Them seriously, you need to take them seriously. That's my biggest point. There is, you need to take them seriously. I think everybody could stand to go with a safety course. So this brings up another topic, uh, subtopic of this. Why do we purchase products? And I'll, I'll post this question in a way that it relates to everybody, okay? So just pick a brand. Uh, and Michael, let's, let's use Ozark Trail for you. Let's pretend Ozark Trail is involved in this and not Yeti. And you, you in your opinion, think it's a good product for a good price because that's how I feel about Yeti. I do agree that they're pricey, but I think they're worth it. And I'm, I'm going with Yeti because those are the first ones that I bought. I own a 20-quart roadie and a 65-quart um, 
can't remember what the name of the bigger ones are, but I've got a 65. I think it's called a Benjamin. No, it's a Tundra. I think the 65 tundra, is called the tundra. Benjamin because it cost them Benjamins. Hey, you can't hide yeah, money it was, now. It was pricey. <laughs> you it was can't pricey. hide money now. <laughs> well, you can on a credit card. So there's three. Uh, I've got three tumblers also in, in in addition to those two coolers. And I love I love my Yeti products that I um, have, and um I Aaron recommend them to people. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there because you stole an Ozark Trail tumbler from me. And you like it a lot better than the Yeti. That's all I'm saying. It's it is a forty ouncer, and it does hold a lot of Southern Lodge sweet tea at one time. It keeps it pretty cold too. I'll give it that. But here's the question: Why do we purchase products? Is it for their quality, or is it for the political support that they give? So, let's look at Ozark Trail for you, Michael. And then Danny, you're gonna have to pick something. If it's Ozark Trail, it's Ozark Trail. If it's Yeti arctic whatever but let's pretend that ozark trails tied up in this and they make some kind of political decision that you don't like all right let's say ozark trail just comes out and says gun owners are people who want to kill children are you still going to buy ozark trail well i'm not going to i'm not going to use ozark trail i'm going to use dicks who is a real store that is taking the choice away from their consumers um i will never shop at dicks again or Agreed. field and stream because um, they have basically they did away with their as, as they may still sell long guns which is what a, a hunting rifle is long guns now and handguns but they've taken away the ARs and some other things um, I think they might actually have gotten rid of gun sales altogether I, as soon as I started reading about it I just dismissed dicks altogether but um, Political decisions by companies do affect. Um, now, Yeti taking away the discount probably wouldn't dissuade me from buying a Yeti product, but I know there are similar products that cost less anyway, and just because Yeti's expensive, I don't buy them when I can buy something half the price that's just as equal to the task. But you say you know your your question i think to me is better answered by dixon dixon field and stream and i won't shop at dix anymore because of their political stance so that, that answers your question i'm i'm with you 100 percent. i i mean personally i choose a product based on the quality i know my firearms that i've chosen i do it based on the quality of them rather than you know necessarily the price uh especially with something like that i, I choose to spend a little bit more money on guns and than I would a cooler because, you know, I, I like to say that I use my guns a little bit more than I would use a, I use my cooler, to be honest with you. I just I don't use it a lot because I got my friends Aaron and Michael that like to use their coolers, so I don't need <laughs> one when they got them. That's right. <laughs> I mean, but That's right, honestly, the politicalness of it all, it, there's way too much political crap going on anyways. I stay out of it. I don't look into it i don't watch cnn i don't watch fox news i don't watch any of it because it's just so disheartening with what everything's going to i think yeti is a great product sure if i if i had a need for a, a cooler like that i probably would buy a yeti if i if it were me well, I so think I think we're going to have to do a challenge between Ozark Trail and Yeti on vacation this year just to uh, see who the winner really is. Okay. 
All right, well, let's do it. the how Yetis is going to lose. Uh, I believe it's a seventy-three court. Well, the Ozarks gonna the Ozarks gonna win because Aaron drinks more than you do, mm. so it's gonna get more use. That's you probably got, true. I mean, you can't do that when he's going in it like crazy, and you're a two beer queer, so you're gonna be done and out of commission after two beers. So it's just gonna stay shut the whole day. Okay, so me and Aaron do also own the smaller cooler as well, so we could go off that one instead of our big ones. <laughs> I'm saying yeah, we, we may ha- we may have to do some consumer research. I, uh, I like I, I, if I had the money for and the need for a cooler, I'd buy a Yeti. So you're just, just into a status symbol. Friends. You're just Danny's just into status symbols. That's all. Danny just came out and said, "Boom, boom, boom." Let me hear you say, "Wayo." He also likes Way-o. to drive. He Way-o. also likes to drive Chevys. So. Oh, hey, I like okay. a, I like a bow tie now. Um, well, so here, here is, here's my stance on that. I, I buy a product for its quality, not its political support. And an even better example than Yeti is Disney World, Disney movies. They support a lot of political decisions that I do not, but I don't care. They produce a great product. Uh, their customer service is great. Epcot, drinking around the world, eating around the world. Oh, it would take a lot to get me away from that. So, <laughs> the Maldives. Mike, do we have do we have uh, time for the topic of home defense? Yeah, yeah, we got time for that. All right, you want me to jump into it? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it shouldn't take us too long. I think we're all pretty much set on. Uh, me and Danny are kind of set on the kind of guns we like, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, the discussion is we've got a little bit of a tax refund coming back. It's not much maybe about uh, $300, and I can supplement that with about 200 more. So we got about $500 that we're going to be able to spend, and we are looking to add a new firearm to our gun cabinet. I am really trying to push my wife into a pistol. Um, there is a, a pistol that I really like. Uh, it's a, a Glock 380. I want to say, is it a, is it like a G2 or something like that? It's, it's, it's not the most recent model Glock has come out with. I need to look that thing up. I uh, believe a uh, Glock is at Gen Five right now. I think mine's a four. I think, I think Rico's is a five. So it's probably a G3 that I saw though, because it was on sale, uh, and, and I it had great reviews. It's got a, a a nine round magazine capacity plus one in the chamber, so it holds ten at a time. Um, I shot your Glock, Michael, and I really liked it, but I, I did want to talk about the benefits of a revolver versus a pistol. My wife is very much in favor of a uh, small snub-nosed pistol. Uh, 38 Special is what she's really wanting to get, and I'm trying to convince her that that is not the best option for us. Uh, so we'll lay it out there. I'll talk about what I think are the pros and cons of each, and you guys can just jump in as soon as uh, as soon as I I'll, I'll roll through my my notes real quick. So for a revolver, I have that they are durable. Most of them are mostly metal with some kind of uh, wooden grip that is securely fastened to them. There's not very much plastic on most revolvers, and especially the ones we're looking at. Revolvers have novelty. 
They've kind of got that cowboy feel to them. You strap a revolver to your hip. Not so much a snub nose revolver. I'm I'm very against the snub nose idea. Just that seems like a ah, I don't know, like a preppy boy gun to me. Snub nose revolver. But uh they're dependable, less likely to jam up. The biggest cons about them, those are the pros. The biggest cons, they're not as safe. Most revolvers do not have a safety of any kind on them. They're they're a they're either a hammer, you pull it back the first time and fire, and from there you just, they're, uh, some of them are double action. Uh, so they're not as safe. And the second thing is that the capacity on them is usually five or six tops. Anything y'all want to add about revolvers before I jump into pistols? No, I think you, you pretty much nailed it. I think the biggest thing is safety. I mean, I can't harp on it enough is safety and pistols i mean i think she still needs to take some safety classes with it just to learn how to handle one and i'll dive in more of my thoughts on what the choice is on it when you get done with your pistol um the only thing i'll say for revolver uh i give uh, i think the negative is also reload time um it's much easier to load a pistol than it is a revolver so if god forbid something were to happen and she were to unload and not hit them at all then after she fired her five or six rounds she would have to sit there and load individually where if she had a pistol she could automatically load in the second clip and go to town again i i i agree with you completely there which brings in the first pro for a pistol and that's they are easier to aim most pistols have a, a larger action and they're a little bit longer than especially these snub nose revolvers uh with those with that size there's also a bolder post on the front and rear of the gun that are easier to line up and aim with the pistol you're, you've got to be you've got to be well versed practiced uh to be able to hit anything i mean i i held a friend of mine's snub nose revolver last night and uh, from the back of the gun to the front the front sights to the back's like three inches and it's really hard to see that front sight and the back sight to line them up. So you're, you're taking a huge chance that you're going to miss. The second thing, Michael already touched on high capacity. They are comfortable. Pistols have a uh, more ergonomic grip, typically, than a revolver does. And the final thing is safety. Uh, that I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but doesn't that Glock have a uh, like a thumb safety and then also a safety on the trigger? Uh, no, the Glock. Uh, once you pull the trigger, it fires. It's that's less safe. And that's what I like about my Glock. There's no hammer. If you you don't put your finger on the boomstick, it ain't gonna fire. But there's nothing. What. What I like about the Glock is I like to think if I got in a situation where I wasn't thinking, so someone breaks into my house and my adrenaline starts pumping, somebody may forget to cock a hammer or whatever. That Glock, it's C, pull, fire. There's no middle step that you have to think about. It's safety, trigger. I mean, there's no safety, but you just finger on the trigger and pull. That's what I like about it because there's no step in there that makes that has to make you think when you're in a critical situation. What do y'all think is the best caliber 
Uh, and you can take into consideration that the primary person that would be using this is, is my wife, but it also could be me. What do you think is the best caliber to be looking at right now? I think the 9mm, which is what I have, and I chose mine just because of the 9mm is more common um, and it's more readily available. And also a lot of people talk about knockdown power and this and that, but just based off my thinking is I know if I was shot by a 9mm bullet, it would deter me from doing whatever I was doing. Yeah, a 45 or a 40 may put me, you know, if you shot somebody with those, it would probably put them, it would put them down easier and more thoroughly. But unless you're shooting to kill, I mean, not everybody shoots to kill all the time. Even if you're just trying to wound the nine millimeter, it, it will kill you. It's lethal force, but it's also any it's going to deter you. It's going to deter whoever from doing what they're doing. I mean, um, now I'm thinking about getting a concealed carry, a compact, and I probably I might go with a 45 there just because the compact is less bullets. I may I probably want a little more knockdown since I'm only going to have maybe five or six in the chamber, where with my my uh, Glock I have now it's I have a 15 round magazine so. But I like the nine. I think as a whole, even choosing between a, a revolver and a semi-automatic pistol, it comes back to the feel. You need to find a range where she can shoot multiple calibers, multiple guns, and see what she enjoys. I am personally an H&K fan. I like H&Ks. You can't get an H&K for your price range. I think a three eighty is a good round for a female. I do, but it comes back to like, it's coming back to the comfort with it. You know, you got to be comfortable with the pistol. Mine has a safety and it has a hammer on it. I like that. I don't keep mine loaded um, because I think accidents happen. I mean, it is what it is. If I need, if I feel like it, I can put one in the chamber in less than a second. It is what it is. But uh, comfortability is going to be the biggest things with choosing a pistol for her she's gonna need to shoot multiple pistols and see what she really likes and we actually have a place near us that i'm going to be able to do that that's a great idea danny i'm glad you shared that the most likely scenario with her is i may be gone at the hunting camp gone away for two or three nights she's here working this gun will be in the nightstand we we lock our bedroom door there's a safety chain on it and we have two dogs so anybody that tries to get into the bedroom to her most likely will wake the dogs. They will bark and alert her. She will have time to open the drawer, grab the gun out, and be ready for whatever is about to happen. Right now, we have a 22 revolver in that nightstand, and that's not going to stop anybody. And, and it's actually loaded with snake shot or rat shot. So it's going to really piss them off, but it's not going to stop them. I wonder where you got those rounds from. That's the Michael special. My my favorite thing about that twenty-two revolver is that it is a great snake gun. I mean, I can kill a snake from 15 yards away. Or 15 feet. 15 yards of pushing it. 15 feet away. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we definitely need to get something that's going to stop an intruder. I have a 40, and I like my 40. I think the the kick on the recoil... 
And that's one of the reasons that I like H&K personally is you don't get as much recoil in the hand compared to a Glock. Um, it's a smoother shot to me. But it's going to have to come down to her and her preference and what she really feels comfortable with. So that's my biggest suggestion, I guess. I agree with Danny. I think it's going to come down to her comfort on what you choose. But I think I think if you get that, she will will go with a pistol more than the revolver because, like you mentioned, just the weight of a revolver, if you, if you just think about how a revolver is held in your hand, you've got your... Uh, your butt and then you've got your revolving cylinder and then you've got the muzzle in front of that so that's a lot of forward weight in the hand yeah it's not a lot but it could be enough to throw off an aim whereas a pistol the weight is in the magazine which is actually in your grip so it's it does change it up a little bit i think if you got her to a range and she was able to shoot some different things i think she would choose the uh I think she would like a pistol over a revolver just for comfort. So that's our answers. I think I, I think we're going to do that. Appreciate the advice. All right. All right. I think that pretty much closes the book on home defense, politics, and Yeti. Um, we're going to end this podcast on a little lighter note. Uh, I'm a cinephile. We all like sports movies. We all like sports we challenged ourselves to come up with a top five sports movies all time. Um, I couldn't do it. I tried changing it to everybody making a top ten. They told me no. So I went outlaw. I've got a top five football movies. And uh, then I've got another list of other movies that aren't football. But I think the guy, the other guys might have made a top five list. Um, let's start with Danny. What What is your number five movie? Or just give us your whole, uh, you give us your whole list. All right. Well, number five, got Gordon Bombay and the Mighty Ducks. Love the movie. I think it's classic. Because, I mean, I think it came out when we were kids. So I yeah. always enjoy it. I know when it came on Netflix. Goldberg! That's right. <laughs> I uh, I think I watched it four or five different times. I love it. It's a great movie. Um, number four, I went with Miracle. The Miracle on Ice when the United States beat the Russians in one of the craziest hockey games ever. Um, they're a huge underdog and came back one. I think it's a very underrated movie. Um, number three for me is Rocky Four. That is, is that honestly could have been number one. That the Rocky series is one of my favorite series ever. Um, number two for me is Rudy. I think Rudy is a cl- classic. It could have easily been my number one, but uh, the reason I chose number one is because of a couple particular scenes in the movie and. We always watch it before football games, so just remember the Titans. I think remember the Titans is a classic, and I think it's amazing how they did it. But that is my top five. Oh, I got one more. If I were to branch this out into TV shows, y'all might know the show Clear Eyes, Full Hearts. Can't lose. Can't lose. That's right. The greatest football show ever. There's rumors that they're about to make a movie on it. 
I promise you that I will be at the early seeing. I mean, I named my dog Riggins, for God's sake. I love the movie, uh, the show. I can watch it on repeat over and over. And funny fact is I actually got Mike and his roommate Rico on the show after they told me how lame it was. Uh, I got them both on it. Point of order, I was watching the show before that. Uh, it was my roommate that thought it was stupid until he watched it. Danny did not get me watching that show. I was already watching it. Great show. If you I'm haven't seen sure it, Michael check it out. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Watch it. It's fantastic. One of the best shows ever. Okay, I thought about this the other day, and I meant to bring it up. I, I wrote myself a note but forgot about it. If any of our listeners want to know what Aaron looks like, watch the show Friday Night Lights and look at Coach Taylor Almost twins. <laughs> Almost twins. I'll take that as a compliment. Kyle Chandler? Kyle Chandler's great. Old Kyle Chandler. Um, all right, Aaron, what is your top five? Doesn't he play the bad guy in, in pure, pure country? country. Yep, he plays Buddy. Dang. He's in that show Bloodline as well. I'll still take it as a compliment. All right, am I up You next? should. Yeah, Aaron, you're up next. Okay. With number five, I've got 42, the Jackie Robinson movie. Oh, God. What a, what a great story of overcoming diversity, talent. And, you know, it wasn't just about, it wasn't just about uh, a, a racial issue. It was about picking the right guy to be able to handle that diversity. So I, I thought it was a great movie. Uh, number four, Remember the Titans. Danny, you've got great taste in movies. Number four, Number four was Rumor of the Titans. Uh, number three, Rocky Four. Wow. That was your number three as well, Danny. Great taste in movies. Great minds think alike. The, if, I could, if I could unzip my skin and step out and be anybody else, it would be Sylvester Stallone right before he fights the Russian. If I could just have that body, man, I would, I would be like super pumped. If I could have the face of Zac Efron and the body of Rocky right before he fights the Russian. Number two, Space Jam. Space Jam. It's got it all. It's got everything you need. I love Michael Jordan in that movie. Probably by Hollywood standards, he's a terrible actor. But good lord, I could watch that movie probably weekly. Number one, I know neither of you thought of this movie. Without lim- without limits, the story of Steve Prefontaine and Bill Bowerman. It's a, a movie about running. Okay. He was a. I've I actually had I I broke it down into different categories and track and field was one of them. I had McFarlane USA, the Kevin Costner movie. And I also had Prefontaine, which is the Jared Leto version of that movie. I like I like Prefontaine better than than the one you mentioned. Steve Prefontaine, I guess I, I like the story of Steve Prefontaine. Uh, in, in the movie Without Limits, you really get to see that perseverance. The the part where he like cuts his foot on that glass after making sweet love to that woman. And then he runs the race and like, like a champion, man. It's like it's so much inspiration. And and he he says a quote somewhere in that movie, and I'm sure it's authentic, Steve Prefontaine. But running is not about anything else but pain. 
and how much pain you can tolerate. So that's my list. All right. Um, I'm going to give my top five list. It is top five football movies. Remember the Titans, The Replacements, Rudy, Friday Night Lights, and Varsity Blues. And I went, I, I made my list off a suggestion Danny made, and it was what movies can you watch over and over and over again? And that's how I, I, I just missing the cut were The Little Giants with Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill and The Water Boy, a classic, classic Adam Sandler movie. Little Giants, I probably should have added that to mine. I freaking love that movie. I know. The ice box. If you can talk, <laughs> if you can walk, if you can talk, talk, can you walk the walk? You know, classic quotes that I the used as a butter, child. The you peanut rain. butter and jelly sandwich inside of the helmet. Yes. <laughs> you, you rain. Um, and then I made just a top ten of different movies that I love to watch. Um. And I'm going to start at number 10 is Miracle. Love that movie. I watch it every time it comes on. It's so inspirational. Uh, they work hard. He gets a group of guys that hate, that don't like each other. They come together and they beat the Russians. It's a miracle. Number nine. This is a surprise sports movie. Tell me if you've ever heard of it. Top Gun. Love that sports movie. Now, I know this might be controversial, but the reason this is in my top ten is because there's a beach volleyball game in the movie that Iceman and Slider beat Maverick and Goose. So, therefore, Top Gun is sliding at number nine as a volleyball movie. Number eight is, is Basketball, the creators of South Park movie. It combines two sports, basketball and baseball, into Basketball. Funny movie. Hilarious. Number seven is dodgeball. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Number six, cool runnings. Peace be the journey. Classic movie. J- makes me cry almost every time I watch it by them Jamaicans getting the respect they deserved. Number five, Rocky Four. Everybody loves the Russian to go down. Number four, Little Big League. Love that movie. Little kid owns the Minnesota Twins and then manages them, and then he teaches them how to have fun. Every kid's dream, I think, to own a major Dude, league baseball team. I didn't team. Even think about Rookie of the Year. I rookie left of Rookie the of the Year off because I like Little Big League better. Henry Roland Gardner got left off. Number three, The Mighty Ducks. What can we say? It's Gordon Bombay. Number two, Major League. Who doesn't like the wild thing? That's a good one. Number one, Cole Trickle, Days of Thunder. That's Harry, a good one. Oops. I know, and y'all only made a top five list. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it without leaving. I also had Goon on here as another hockey movie, but I left it off just because it's so new. I don't watch it as much, but... Uh, I've got Days of Thunder on my iPhone. I watch it on almost any plane trip I'm on. Major League as well. Major League, Friday Night Lights, Days of Thunder are on my phone. I watch them. 
Uh, I think a very underrated movie that a lot. It may be before y'all's time since I'm a little older than y'all. Bet you I've seen it. I I had it. I had it on my baseball. That is a very underrated movie, and I almost put it in mind because I my parents made us watch that movie all the time when I was a kid, and I actually love that movie. I love it. I like it. I watch it all the time. Tom Hanks is awesome in that movie. There's no crying in baseball. That's right. Use that lump that's three foot above your ass. I mean, quality movie quotes. Rosie O'Donnell before she got weird. That's right. Okay. I will say that based on our list, just so we're tell, reminiscing, we could tell who has intellectual movie taste and who likes dumb humor. Aaron and I have good taste. Okay, Mike so, over here has dumb humor. Just some of the baseball movies we left out. No one included The Sandlot. No one included The Rookie. Bad News Angels Bears. In Angels in the Outfield. Rookie of the Year, Hardball, or Trouble with the Curve. I actually can't stand Field of Dreams. I hate the movie. I can't watch it. That's a great movie. It's just probably too before your time. But movies I left off that y'all would think were dumb would be like Summer Catch with Freddie Prince Jr. and Jessica Biel, The Scout, Fever Pitch, Mr. Baseball, Tom Selleck movie. I also enjoy... Mr. 1000. That's Mr. 3000. Um... I also I also enjoy Major League Two and Major League Three as much as the uh, first one. You like it for love of the game too, don't you? I do. It's on. It's on my base. But did I? Yeah. Did, yeah. I have it right here. I just forgot to mention it. Good. A good Kevin Costner I, movie. I've got a challenge, real quick. Can y'all think uh-huh. of a bowling movie? Kingpin. How the heck do you know all these movies? No, I have no idea. Big Lebowski. Alley Cat Strike. That's a Disney original. Alley Cat Strike is what I was just thinking. <laughs> I'm a cinephile. Y'all, I love watching movies. I like watching movies too, but I've never watched give, all those. Give me, another sp- give me another sports. Give, give me something. You want badminton. MMA? Badminton. There is no badminton movies. <laughs> MMA, never back down. Cheerleading, or not cheerleading, but gymnastics, stick it. Arm wrestling. You got Sylvester Stallone over the top. He's arm wrestling for his kid. Bring it on. Bring it on. That's right. Uh, we didn't even, I mean, boxing, there's so many good ones. I even had horse curling. racing movies. If there's sea a curling movie, I'd watch it. Seabiscuit or Secretariat, you're right. Um, and auto racing, you've got Talladega Nights and Rush. I mean. And then you have the television show Friday Night Lights. That's right. Another football movie I didn't I didn't put in my top five, but I watched it and it really stuck out to me. Was I don't know if y'all have seen it, but um, when the game stands tall, it's a Jim Caviezel movie about the um, De La Salle kids that um, they own the nation's longest winning streak. I think they win 151 games without losing. And it's a movie about the season they lost, like two games. It's really, it's really a good movie. It's kind of got a Christian twist to it, doesn't it? No, that's um, that's facing giants. That's ah. the Christian football movie. Hmm. I feel like we need to end this podcast with a quack, quack, quack. Yeah, no, I th- we need to end it with a clear eyes, full heart. Uh, yeah. I just, I guess I'm more of a cinephile than y'all are. I don't know. So, Aaron, you've watched, you like Friday Night Lights? 
the TV show. Yeah. I made it through. I want to say like season two. I need to. I need to finish it out. I really did like it. I really. It's did. good. Somebody's Coach, got a Hulu. Somebody just got a new Hulu account that you can use. Oh. I don't know if that's legal or not. But uh, I think we're going to go ahead and end the podcast. Uh, we didn't get to the NHL or NBA playoffs. Uh, the only thing you need to know is that LeBron James is down 2-0 and he can go suck it. Um, but and the Predators were eliminated. And the Red Wings didn't even make it. But that's it from the Lodge. We'll see you all next time.